0: As Aaron said, we're in a series this morning uh, entitled, Do You Really Believe? And uh, you probably all have one of these in your pocket. Don't take it out right now. But uh, can you tell me, when you push the side button, what's the picture that comes up? Can you think about it? Just think about it. Can I remember what it is? Sometimes it rotates. It depends on how tech savvy you are. I think my daughter has like 25 different pictures that could be. I only have one. It's from like six years. no couldn't be six years ago because Corlin's well, really little and it's in the picture. Uh, if you open your phone, there's usually another picture behind your apps. Do you know what that picture is? Can you, can you picture it right now? <laughs> Probably you can if it's familiar, if you work really hard. But when's the last time you really looked at it? I haven't really looked at mine too uh, closely. This morning what we're looking at in this series are some verses in the Bible that sort of end up at times feeling like the background on our phones or the wallpaper there. We know what they are. We can tell you about it. I can tell you what the picture is of there. It's a picture of my wife and Coraline uh, up on the North Shore at Gooseberry Falls. I can tell you, you know, all about that. Her hair is braided. Coraline barely has any hair because she's only like eight months old and our babies don't get hair till they're two, something like that. But I haven't really looked at it. And sometimes if, if you were to say, see me open that, open, open that and see that picture, you might actually be captivated by little Coraline and the scene behind her. And what we're going to do in this series, do you really believe, is look at... A verse from each book in the New Testament. We're we're not going to get through the whole New Testament this calendar year. We couldn't do that. We have to do multiple verses a week to do that. Uh, But we're going to look at a pretty well-known verse in each book of the New Testament and try to make it jump off of the background of our phone, to look at it a little more closely, to admire the truth Uh, What is revealed about God and us in eternity in each of these verses? Last week we looked at, uh, do you really believe that you are called to make disciples? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, known as the Great Commission. This week is, do you really believe loving God is most important? And we're looking at Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. This is repeated multiple times in the New Testament, actually. Um, And it says... You probably could say it with me if you want to, feel free. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. It's known as the great commandment. Jesus was asked a question, what's the greatest commandment? And he, because he's God, he can say, actually, there's two. Let me tell them to you. And actually, I think what you'll see this morning, I believe the reason why Jesus said there's two is that they're so linked uh, together that you really can't do one without the other, and um, that's why he tied them together. One of, I, I just returned from a sabbatical a few weeks ago, and I had a big chunk of the summer off uh, to uh, read, to pray, to rest. I realized... Uh, a little over halfway through, that I needed, I was t- more tired. I was tireder than I thought. That's not a word. I'm an English major. I know that. I was more tired than I thought I was. I didn't re- in many different ways. But one of the delights um, from uh, that time, that extended time, is that I, I really do like to read, and so I read fairly widely. I didn't just read. actually. I, I put all. I have a couple different book lists. I have like these are some of the classic literature texts that I haven't yet read that as an English major I would like to read because I think I would enjoy them. Um, I don't put anything on those lists because I think it's good for humanity's sake that I read it. So like some of those really long, like Moby Dick, I'm never going to read it. It's just too long for me. If you really like Moby Dick, I'm sorry. But there's some, ver- some books. I don't put books that I don't enjoy on my lists usually, unless it's like an important book that I would try to. There's not very many of those in the literature text. Then there's books that are like have to do with my work, like, so I'm a pastor, so leadership, church stuff, um, how to, like, uh, help people grow, uh, how, to, um, how to do my job, how to preach better, communicate better, lead better. I, I didn't take any of those books on sabbatical with me because it was too connected to work, and I wanted to take a break from that. But then there's a, book, a category of books of just, like, fun books that I'd like to read. Sometimes they're fiction, sometimes they're nonfiction. Uh, historical things or biographies and then there's books that are like these are books that I would like to read because I think they'll help me personally become a better man become a better husband become a better follower of Jesus and I read a bunch of those I ended up reading about 20 books and I have a couple that I sort of started but didn't quite get all the way through that I'm still working on Um, and the, the books that were in that category of like personal development spiritual developing my own heart my own walk with God um there were several of them that kind of interconnected with different topics. Um, I took a, a retreat. Um, on, I had some good advice on the way back out of sabbatical. I was uh, given some advice by a couple people who had taken them, said, take a couple of days in, in just solitude at the end. I had already planned to do this at the beginning, but take a few at the end to uh, reflect and be alone and, and uh, think about what... Uh, I Don't know if you could do anything about that, Kent or not. It's a little crackly. Um, think about what, what the Lord's been speaking to you. And that was a highlight for me. And one theme emerged, it connected several other themes, but one broad theme emerged, and you'll see it come out in the message this morning. And here's the theme. it was three words. It was receiving from God it is over and over. Um, throughout uh the weeks that I had off was that God was just asking me to receive from him something actually quite a few somethings comfort compassion care love my sermon in a sentence this well so here's what here's what I often have done in my life and I think that's why this came out um I'm a doer I like to get stuff done um I like to I like the sense of accomplishment I checklists. I really like checklists, like getting those things checked off. Um, if I did something that wasn't on the list, I write it on there and then do check marks. That makes me feel good. Some of you are like, that's so dumb. I get it. I, I, it is kind of dumb, a little bit. Um, and I have focused, I think, for a big part of my life, and certainly most of my following God life, which is about 25 years now, um, of what I can do for God, what I bring To God. And I have fairly ineptly and and far too infrequently been thinking about what I can receive from God His love, His delight, His compassion, His comfort. And so when we read a verse like, Love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, if you're in a space like I have tended to be most of my life, what we're really thinking about is how can we do that better? Right? I'm going to twist it a little bit. I actually think how you can do that better is receive from God more. Here's my sermon in a sentence. Being loved by God is where loving God and loving others starts. Being loved by God receiving his love more deeply into us. What would it be like for you and I to receive God's love into our heart, into our soul, into our mind, into our strength, our bodies, our physical bodies, more deeply? I think well, what happens is that we don't want to love him back and it kind of just overflows on the people around us, which is why I think God, Jesus put those two together, that if that happens, those things happen together. Let's look at these, this verse, these two verses, uh, uh, and make a couple more observations. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. First observation is that loving God is holistic. Uh, I read a book uh, about a year ago called Reset uh, by a, a Christian author named Deborah Falada. I recommend the book. I think it's a great book. And what she does is she takes this verse and she looks at, love the Lord with all your heart, one, soul, mind, and strength. And she looks at it like how to reset your health, your emotional health, your heart, your spiritual health, your soul, your mental health, your mind, and your physical health, which is your body, your physical body. I actually think it's a great, it's a great, book, it was really helpful to me to like look through maybe what adjustments could I make to become a more overall healthy person. And I think it's good to think about how we can love God in those ways, or allow God's love to penetrate those parts of us, our heart and emotional life, our soul, our spiritual life, our mind, our thought life, our mental life, and our bodies, our physical life. But you might know that that's not what Jesus intended in the sense that when he said love the Lord when when actually he's quoting Deuteronomy by the way when you're God in the flesh you get to write scripture whenever you want isn't that cool you can just like edit it so Deuteronomy 6 is where Jesus is quoting from which says love the Lord with all your heart soul and strength which one did Jesus add mind Jesus just adds it in there he can do that if he wants to because he's God Um, And I think the reason, part of why he adds it in there is it's not really the focus on each part isn't what the point is. Actually, what Jesus is trying to point out and what I think the original Deuteronomy text is really saying is, love God with, we might say, your all, everything, every part of you, love God with all of you, is what Jesus is saying. Now, what does that look like? Here's what I, th- I have tended to think about. Uh, something like this. Um, several of my kids have run cross-country over the years, and I can remember uh, one of the first seasons that Kalar, oldest, was running, and uh, I have this, f- that there's a lot of races that have been run um, that I've been to, and the finish is always uh, where you want to be at the end. You want to see the finish line, for sure. But it's sort of painful, actually, if you care about somebody who's running a cross-country race. Because what you're doing is you're, you're yelling at them, run harder, finish strong all the way. And they're running so hard that you'll notice if you go to a cross-country race that more than one person will cross the finish line and literally fall over, not able to move, barely able to breathe, or collapse onto somebody and grasp them like they're about to die because they kind of feel like they're about to die. They've given... All that they have, like every ounce of their strength, short of totally collapsing and not being alive anymore, they've tried to push themselves to the limit. And that's sometimes what we think about what it would mean to love God with your all. I I don't actually think that's, God doesn't want us to like exhaust ourselves to the point that we're almost dead trying to do anything, really. That's what I don't, actually I don't think that's the point with this is. If if God's love penetrated us deeply to our heart, into our soul, into our mind, into our strength, now strength does have to do with our physical form, our body, I think something would happen in that we would be energized to give a lot more of that back to him. And I think that's more of what God has in mind. Uh, so let's look at, look at this verse again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't be called to exert anything to, in this, by the way, but that idea of like just doing something until we collapse, I'm not sure that's exactly the point. And here's why. My second observation is this, is that love for God starts by receiving love from God. This makes sense, I think, and and John the Apostle in 1 John, uh, you can flip 1 John if you have it, there's a lot of great love verses in 1 John. Um, John was known, uh, he's one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12, he wrote several books in the New Testament. He wrote John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was his recording and account of experiencing Jesus, his eyewitness account. And then he wrote three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the New Testament right at the end. And then he wrote the book of Revelation as well. And John experienced something really deep with Jesus that I think Jesus wanted him to pass on to us. And he passes some of that on in 1st John. I think John sort of got... This receiving Jesus' love deep into his heart, soul, mind, and strength in a peculiar way. Not that other scripture writers didn't. I think they did. But in a way, and he reveals it to us in how he writes 1 John. 1 John 3.1, actually we sing a song that emphasizes this truth. says this, and I'm, I'm going to just re- read several verses out of 1 John this, right now. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has for us, that we should be called children of God. We sing that song, Who You Say I Am. That's what he says. He says, You are my child, the one who created the universe, the one who created blue whales and diatoms and supernovas and skin cells. says, You are my child. Wow. First John 3.16 says, here's how we know love. This is how we have come to know love. He, speaking of Jesus, laid his life down for us. That's how we know love. He sacrificed himself for us. First John 4. He really gets on a roll in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. You get the you getting the hint? Starting to get the hint about this receiving thing? We are called to love each other. Why? Because love is from God. We can do it because we get it first from Him. First John 4 8, next verse. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. When you know God deeply in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your body, you know love. And if you don't know God, you don't know love. Now, that's not to say if you don't know God you can't have anything that's like love or any part of love, but the kind of love that you would have in Mark 12, 30 with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength will be impossible for you to find apart from receiving it from him first. 1 John 4, 10, he really gets to the point here. Love consists in this. Not that we loved but that he loved us. And I think this is where he's getting to the point to try to break that paradigm that what loving God with your all is is collapsing across the finish line. Actually, loving God is allowing deeply the truth that he loved us to get us across the finish line, not us trying really hard. And, 1 John four nineteen, we love because he first Loved us. Love for God starts by receiving love from God. And let's look at the second command. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. I believe why Jesus tied these together is because love for people, you and I will be able to love people when we are receiving God's love love for people flows out of receiving God's love as well so let's think of it this way like if I uh, if you came over to my house and I wanted to offer you a drink whatever my pitcher was full of I could give you some of right if my pitcher was empty I'd have nothing to offer you and in life what we're full of what we have received and brought into us is really what comes out as well in different situations, in relationships, in circumstances that happen. So, for instance, if I'm anxious and I'm full of anxiety, what I'm going to bring into my relationships is anxiety. I do that more than I wish. If I'm angry about something and I'm kind of allowing that to sort of take over my thoughts and what I'm experiencing in my body, what's going to happen in my relationships is I'm going to bring anger into that. And it might not be like raging anger. It might just be irritability. Being quick to be annoyed. Uh, being irritated. If I'm beloved, if that's really what I'm full of, experiencing God's love deeply in my heart, what happens is that I bring that into relationships. Relationships and I have love to flow out of me. <clears throat> so let me give you an example of this for my life. This summer, one of my daughters asked me this question. Actually, two questions that stuck out to me. I thought they were a little bit odd. One of my daughters asked me, Dad, do you like living in the country? And I thought that was weird because, yes, I do really like living in the country. We live on five acres just out of town. I really enjoy that. And I would think that's obvious, but when, you ask, when someone asks you a question like that, there's a reason they're asking, right? It's not obvious. Next question she asked me, not in the same conversation, but a few weeks later, she said, Dad, do you like going on vacation? Yeah, I do like going on vacation. Actually, it's really fun to go on vacation. I really enjoy that. There were reasons she was asking that, those questions. You could probably guess a little bit why. The first one, I think, was we were in the midst of doing, do you like living in the country? We were in the midst of doing some of the things that you have to do when you live in the country. There's chores and things to take care of, and, you know, mowing and cutting bushes, and we have chickens you have to take care of, and all these things. And what was coming out of me, why my daughter asked me that question, is joy and delight was not coming out of me. <laughs> it's not what I was full of. What was coming out of me was anxiety, because there's so many things to do, frustration because things aren't being done the way that I would hope for them to get done. I don't really remember. I'm just making it up because these are the sorts of things that often come out of me. The second one I remember a little bit more clearly, do you like going on vacation? Because she had asked the first question, I was kind of like, okay, there's a theme here happening. Something's coming out of me that is not in line with what I think is inside of me. I like both of these things. I delight in both of these things. I enjoy both of them, but that's not what's coming out. And so then I kind of recognize, well, I do like going on vacation, but I don't really like getting ready to go on vacation. It's kind of stressful got to remember all the things that you have to pack, and everybody's all over the place. And trying to, I, we don't like to come home to like a messy house. We usually try to like do a little bit of cleaning and make sure the lawn gets mowed and all that kind of stuff. I don't really like that. And really what I, what, why she was asking is because what was coming out of me was anxiety and frustration about that. The long-term answer to that problem by the way, for me, it's not for me to change my behavior. Although, it needs to change. You know, I, I don't want to be a frustrated, anxious, irritable person for you or my kids or my wife or anybody else. I don't want to be that. I want that behavior to change. And it, I want to put effort into that, too. I, I'm not saying that I don't do anything. I do want to change that. But what really needs to change deeply in my heart is this, is that I would receive more deeply the love, the delight, the compassion, the joy that God has in me. And then that behavior probably will change a little more. God has a lot more patience with me. He has a lot more compassion on me than I do. So, sadly, my love for you, and so I don't feel about your love for me, <laughs> actually does reflect our ability of, to receive God's love into us. In big ways. In big ways. And it's oftentimes my lack of receiving love from God that's more obvious than I would wish. So, <clears throat> over the course of the summer at some point, I, I, I've sort of slowed down how I'm reading the Bible. Um, I'm goal-oriented, so I'm not trying to get through it all in this year. Um, and I'm reading some passages fairly slowly, and it's been really delightful. Um, and I've been meeting with God in a different way and hearing him actually speak to me r- more regularly as I've slowed down. And uh, I can't remember when I did it. I I know that this is, uh, I can't remember when I did it the first time, but I've continued to do it. And after I read the scriptures and uh, I'm beginning to ask the question, Jesus, what do you want me to know here? After I write a few reflections about what I think is going on in the passage, I'll ask him, Jesus, what do you want me to know? And then I write down what I hear, uh, God speaking to me. And it's pretty personal, because it usually has to do with me and my life, what he wants wants me to know in my life. And I'm really grateful when he does that. And so I've been ending my journal entries in a way that I haven't ever done, and feels a little strange, but I write these words. I actually feel very awkward saying it out loud to you right now. I write down, oh Jesus, I love you. I really do love you. And I only write it if I mean it. If I'm choosing it, if I'm uh, thinking it, um, if I'm feeling it, if I'm entering into that as a response of being loved by him. When he speaks to me and meets me in a personal way. I think I'm receiving a little bit more of his love into my life. Now, one last observation. The second greatest commandment is this, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. Now, as we receive God's love into us, our ability to love other people expands and it becomes easier um, sometimes. Sometimes it requires effort to love people that are hard to love. You probably don't have anyone in your life that is hard to love. It's probably all easy for you. No, of course it's not easy. Just like it's, I I wish I was like Jesus where he just able to love all these people. Like I read some of the people that he loved and I'm like, I would not have supper with them. (laughs) I would just not want to spend time in their presence. I'm sorry. This is just me being honest. I am not as loving as Jesus. I would love for it to be easier. It's not always easier, but I do think as we receive God's love, God does give us grace to do some things that might be harder for us to do on our own. But there's a third person that we forget about loving in this passage. The, one that, the two that we think about is we think about loving God and we think about loving others, right? But you see a third person in this verse that we're supposed to love. Love your neighbor As yourself. Love yourself. Only love other people as you love yourself. Now, this is not Jesus saying be narcissistic. (laughs) Obviously. A heart that has been transformed by receiving God's love, heart, soul, mind, and strength, is not going to be narcissistic. The opposite of that. This isn't self-centeredness. This isn't selfishness. However, I love that this is in here because really your love for yourself, my love for myself, is evidence that you and I have received God's love. If you've really received it, let me give you a few questions to see if perhaps it might be helpful for you to adjust how you view yourself through God's lens of love for you. Let me, because these questions are presented to me I think, I think some of these questions I p- picked up in a book or two that I read this summer I wish I could tell you which one I can't how do you talk to yourself about yourself is it how God talks to you about you how do you think about yourself let's just say when you mess up When uh, things aren't going your way, Uh, how do you treat yourself, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, in those instances when things have gone wrong, especially? Ask this question Are you kind to yourself? Are you kind? Are your thoughts kind? I'm just going to be honest, my thoughts are not really very kind oftentimes. Actually, most often, even on a Sunday after I am here preaching and maybe interacting with some of you, almost every week, some kind of unkind thought about myself or something I said or some interaction that I had with one of you that I think I shouldn't have done or could have done better or something like that. Like, I'm thinking that. Kind of like, that was dumb. Why did you say that? Maybe you don't resonate with that. Maybe you do patient with yourself? We like to joke about how little patience we have, but if you have a hard time with patience, my guess is you probably really have a hard time being patient with yourself. What about being compassionate toward yourself? Self-compassion is a bit of a buzzword right now in the area of mental health, and you can easily categorize it into sort of like this Psycho babble th- idea that doesn't really apply to me, but I think self-compassion rightly understood is loving your neighbor as yourself, having compassion on yourself the way Jesus has compassion on you. He understands us. Receiving God's compassion would empower us to have compassion for ourselves and other people. Here's why I think we don't. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. This verse has been kind of a conundrum for a couple decades for me. Now, I kind of get it, but I've always kind of not gotten it. Like, why is that in there? I think, I'm thinking now, maybe part of the reason why that's in there is that you and I are actually afraid at times, maybe more times than we admit, to be vulnerable enough to allow ourselves to be loved as deeply as God loves us. To be able to think about ourselves the way God thinks about us. To treat ourselves the way God treats us. And it would really empower us to treat other people. I realize that when, I, when I'm frustrated with my kids, I'm usually frustrated at myself at some level. That's kind of why it comes out oftentimes, like I wish something were different and it kind of just comes out of me. Being loved, really opening yourself up to being loved, which means like being known completely and like admitting all of that and saying, and God still likes me, like he still enjoys me even though I'm kind of a screw up at times or at least I have screwed up at times. It requires risk. It requires vulnerability. All of you guys probably love to be vulnerable, transparent. I don't. It requires trust. We are often afraid of those things. And I think for that reason, sometimes we are really the person that gets in the way of us experiencing and receiving God's love. Just afraid. We're afraid to allow ourselves to be loved like that. But friends, I want to say this morning, I think it's the most important thing. Loving God is the most important. And I don't think we have a chance of really doing that unless we are being loved deeply by God. I think you will love God with all of you if you've received his love into all of you. I think you'll be able to love your neighbors Well, if you've received his love into you, I think you'll be able to love yourself the way that God loves you when you've received his love into you. Being loved by God is where loving God and loving others starts. Let's stand for closing prayer and we'll sing this song. It's entitled Our God. It's really a celebration of who God is. Um, He's a God who's great, uh, and there's really no other God like him. And he is for us in ways, it's hard for us to sometimes wrap our heads around. He really is for you, he really is for me, he really is for us. Let's pray, I want to pray a blessing over you, that God might open up doors in your life, in your heart, in your soul, in your mind even in your physical body, that you might be able to receive more of his love into you so that you might be able to love him more unabashedly, more fully, and love other people and yourself that way too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. We're just people, and you know we're just people. And you don't expect us or anticipate that we'll be able to be you exactly. Thanks that you know our frailties. Thanks that you know our limitations. Thanks that you know our weaknesses. Thanks that you know our failures. Thanks that you know the worst things about us. Thanks, and you still delight in us. Thanks that you know the best things about us in ways that we sometimes don't even recognize and you take joy in those. God, I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love other people the way that you love people. I know my ability to do that hinges on me receiving your love deeply into my heart, deeply into my soul, deeply into my mind, and deeply into my strength, into my body. God, would you empower us who are gathered here together? Would you help us receive your love deeply that it might change us inside and come out of us that people were around.